Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Fourth of July to you. You know, I, I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you served our country in the armed forces, would you please stand? Do you thank these men and women, please? When I saw that uh, the 4th of July was on a Sunday this year in the calendar, I felt like we should uh, pause for uh, this moment today and, and celebrate this Sunday a little differently than we've had um, maybe other Sundays that happen around the 4th of July since it fell directly on the 4th. I thought that our attention uh, should be focused a little more than usual on our freedoms the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, and more importantly, remember the price that was paid to secure those freedoms. I realize it's a bit cliche, but the, the comment is true. Freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. It costs something. It costs somebody something. Somebody paid for the freedoms that we enjoy as a country. Somebody paid for the freedoms that we enjoy as a nation for hundreds of years together. And today as a country, we've stopped to celebrate that. And I felt that it was important that we as a church stop to remember that and reflect on that as well. A couple of weeks ago, um, I asked my uncle to send me stories of my grandfather who served in World War II as a medic. Um, Returning from home uh, from the war, and raising a family and raising and investing in grandchildren. I, I never heard, as a grandchild, I never heard the stories of World War II from my grandfather. He never spoke of them. Um, and as I understand and hear more and more, there are, are a number of people from that generation that served that just do not speak of what they saw and experienced in those times. He shared a little bit with my um, uh, uncles, and, um, and even as he got later to the end, near the end of his life, just a few years ago, he shared more with them. And so I asked my uncle if he would share some of those stories with me in thinking about this Sunday. And um, my uncle shared with me some snapshots of my grandfather. I didn't realize that he wasn't drafted for World War II, but that he volunteered for the Army. He volunteered, and as my uncle says, he had to fudge a few things in order to... Uh, to uh, sign up and to enlist. On June 6, 1944, D-Day, as we know it, my grandfather was seated on a pile of explosives on board a Higgins boat that was part of the second wave of the Normandy invasion, landing on Omaha Beach. After seeing the uh, realities of war over the months that he served um, following Normandy, um, my, my, my uncle says that the, my grandfather would say that there was a time when he would curl up as the um, artillery was exploding around him at night and pray out to God, making promises to God that he would keep if he would spare his life. That was happening um, in the nights of the Battle of the Bulge when he was there. Stories um, about my grandfather are also uh, mentioned of him and his unit that he was with liberating some Jewish 
concentration camps. And uh, we believe, we're, I'm not 100% sure, but we believe that one of the camps was Auschwitz that he, was, that he had liberated. Preserving freedom and liberating captives. That's what we remember and we celebrate this weekend as a nation. The freedoms that we have that we share and the freedoms that we even debate were inspired, birthed, paid for, preserved, and protected by generations of average people standing side by side with skilled leaders and warriors, together working for a greater good, a higher call, a higher purpose. And that was freedom. It's natural, I'm sure, and we've all come to understand it. It's, it's natural for us over time to forget and to neglect. To forget the idea of somebody paying a price for us. To neglect the uh, sacrifice that was made for each and every one of us to live in a land that is free. It's easy, and we understand it, and we come to terms with it, and we realize that everybody's not going to wake up every day thanking a patriot. But we need to stop and we need to remember that this country, the very fact that we can gather in this room, the very fact that we can assemble freely as a people, the very fact that we can speak our minds openly, the very fact that we can worship together on this day in this place was secured for us by a group of people just like you and me who stood up and said, we want freedom. And we will do what we need to do to preserve and to protect that freedom. We worship here today because somebody paid a price to keep us free. As we remember as a nation the freedom we have, we realize that Part of what that freedom brought to us was our, the expressions that we share each and every week here in a worship service. We worship because we are free. And I want to remind us that on this of all weekends, that not only did brave patriots and warriors stand up to ensure the freedoms that we live with and exercise today as a country, but we sit here this morning Because God Himself provided freedom for us in our hearts and in our spirits. That's why we gather today. That's why we've come together under freedom to assemble and to worship and to lift up the name of God. Because He, at one point, freed us in our hearts and in our spirit from the power and the presence of sin and the penalty that sin would bring to us in eternity. If you have your Bibles, would you take it and turn with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 15. We'll look at verses 12 through 15 this morning. 12 through 14. As you turn there, let me kind of set the stage for uh, what we will read in a moment. Jesus has already gathered with His disciples in an upper room. They have shared a meal together. And as Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is going to happen in 
the moments that follow, he is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. As he gathers with his disciples in that moment, he's sharing with them the picture and the vision of what is to happen immediately and also what is to happen once he is gone. Once he has died and once he has been risen again and once he is with the Father, this is how the church, this is how you, the disciples, should live and act. This is what to expect when I am gone. And so in that context, Jesus says these words in John chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I want to share with you three thoughts this morning as we celebrate as a nation our freedom and independence and reflect upon the freedom and independence that God gives to us in our hearts and spirits. And the first thing is this, and I've already kind of tapped into it. Freedom costs somebody something. We don't just get to live free for the sake of freedom. Freedom was bought for us. It costs somebody something. Somebody had to stand up and say, I will defend our country. Somebody had to stand up and say, I will defend freedom. I will pay the price for freedom. I will stand up. I will stand beside somebody else. I will give my life. I will give up my family. I will give all that I am. I will fudge paperwork if I have to, to stand on the lines shoulder to shoulder with another person, with another American to defend the freedom that we have today. It costs that person something. And as we look at that in the realm of spirituality, as we look at that in the realm of what God did for us in our hearts and in our lives, we understand not only from a national and historical sense that freedom costs somebody something, we understand that too from a historical and spiritual sense. Spiritually, when we look at what God did for us to provide a way of liberation from the from the penalty and the power of sin, we understand it costs someone something. The reason we worship together in freedom is because we've been freed. Sin was always paid. The the payment of sin was always paid with a sacrifice. In the Old Testament system, it was covered by the blood sacrifice of animals. This atoned for the sins of the people. They would be free from the penalty of sin. But God always had another plan. And in the fullness of time, Christ came to be that blood sacrifice for all humanity, once and for all. This is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That He would come to us and lay down His life for us as a sacrifice. It cost Him His life so that we would understand and experience freedom. All who would believe on the sacrifice of Christ as Lord and Savior, we know that freedom was purchased through a sacrifice. 
And as Jesus stands in the shadow of the cross on, in John chapter 15, He reminds His disciples of this great sacrifice that was clothed in love. As we understand this sacrifice for freedom so that we could be free, we also understand that we're invited to respond. You see, freedom costs someone something, but freedom also compels a response for those to whom it's offered. Freedom is offered in heart and spirit to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us who would receive the payment of Christ's death on the cross against our debt account. But we have to respond to it. God does not force it upon us. God does not mandate that we all accept it. God does not treat us as a dictator. God is a loving God who has given us free will and free choice. It cost Him something. He gave His Son who gave His life. It cost God something. And in that, He asks us to respond. He's made it clear that it's our choice. We don't have to respond. We don't have to receive that gift. We don't have to live in freedom. We can choose to to resist God, to stay eternally separated from Him, and roll the dice and take our chances in life as we know it, under our power and our authority and our steam, whatever the consequences. It's a choice. And people make it every day. As I thought about the stories of my grandfather. Respectfully, I I wondered if it would be even possible for a unit, a military unit, to come and to liberate a concentration camp. And the people in the concentration camp resist and say, no thanks. I understand that you are sacrificing your life. I understand that you've come a long way. I understand that you want to set us free. But although we are under bondage, although we have been abused, although we have been desecrated, although we've been decimated as people, no thanks. We would choose entrapment. We would choose imprisonment. We would choose the concentration camp. I don't even think that's imaginable to you. To live in that kind of situation, to be abused in that kind of way, to be demoralized in that setting, and not want your freedom. Yet, how many of us understand the abuse of sin? How many of us understand what happens to our lives when sin enters our heart and we become attached to it? How many of us have lived with the abuse of sin in our lives? How many of us have been demoralized by sin? How many of us have been so wrapped up in it, so entrapped by sin, so stumbled by sin, as the Scriptures would say, in our lives, that we are bruised and we are broken and we are beaten and we are slaves. We are prisoners of sin. 
And Christ comes as a sacrifice, liberating our hearts. And every day, people willfully choose to resist. I would rather live with the abuse and the demoralization of the sin in my life than receive a gift of freedom. For those that have experienced the freedom of Christ in our lives, it's unthinkable, isn't it? It's unimaginable. Freedom costs someone something. Freedom compels us to respond. And when we grab hold of freedom, we understand that it comes with responsibility. Jesus is clear that his love motivated him to lay down his life. And that love should be duplicated in the lives of those that follow him. Those of us that call ourselves Christian, those of us that have received that gift and applied that, that payment to our debt account, he, he commands us to live in the same way that he lived and to love in the same way that he loved says in John chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this. It's not a suggestion. It's not a thought. It's not, hey, think about this. It's a command. My command. The command on the, the night in which he would be, tra- be betrayed. The command on the night in which he would be beaten. The command on the night in which it was his last here on earth. The command that was given to His disciples, as He told them this, these things were going to happen, you would think it would be something that they held on to pretty dearly. My command is this. Love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. As we embrace freedom, we are reminded to love each other at the same time. There's a responsibility that comes with freedom. When I say yes to Christ and I put my life in his hands, God has commanded me that I am to love Jason. I have to. I don't have an option. And you know what's great? He has to love me. You have to love me. I have to love you. Jesus commanded that we love each other. It's not an option. It's not a choice. He said, if you want to be my friends, if you want this intimate relationship, you need to love each other. You need to lay down your life for each other. You need to accept one another. You need to love the other person. He didn't say you're supposed to love somebody. He didn't say you're supposed to love anybody. He wasn't that abstract. He got pretty concrete. He said, love, and he looked at his disciples and he said, love each other. Those of you that will follow me, love each other. Those of you that want to be my friends and have this relationship, you will love each other. That's how I know that you will follow me. Because you love each other. Regardless of denominational background, 
regardless of what church you attend, regardless of what um, experiences you've had, if you call Christ your Savior and Lord, we are to love each other. Now, I don't know if you read that passage and kind of paused and said, really? I have to love, we have to love each other? Maybe you were looking for a footnote. Maybe you were looking for a reference. Maybe there was another, you know, can we go to another portion of Scripture and read that? We have to love each other. In this passage, the word love is the uh, Greek word agape, and it, and it means to love dearly, to be fond of each other, to entertain each other. We're to love each other dearly. We're to look at each other regardless of our differences, regardless of our preferences, regardless of what we, we, we think is right or we think is appropriate. We're supposed to look at each other and we're supposed to say, I love you. Dearly, fondly, I'm supposed to entertain you. So let's go to lunch. Not all of you, that would be too much. But we're supposed to be connected and love in a real and tangible way. He says in the passage that he is going to lay down his life. In this passage, the word lay down means to set aside. Now, in the direct, immediate context, we understand that Jesus means He's going to the cross. He's going to die for His disciples. He says that that this is the kind of love you're supposed to share with each other. Obviously, they're not supposed to die for each other immediately. I mean, if if they came to it, they should lay down your life. But they should set aside. Set aside their rights, set aside their preferences, set aside their, their picture of how things should work and how things should operate. That's how we love each other. We work with each other. We look at each other across the room and say, I am fond of you. It doesn't matter what service you attend. It doesn't matter what style you prefer. Love each other. It's the responsibility of freedom. It's what we're supposed to do. Are we really free if we don't love each other? How liberated are we in our spirit if we harbor anger or bitterness? How liberated are we if we sow discord and strife in the church body? You know, we... We pray for peace in our country, right? I mean, we did that this morning. We pray for peace in our country. But do we realize that peace begins in each and every one of us? How can we pray for peace in our country when we hate the people that are around us? How do we pray for peace in our country when we can't stand a different style or a different venue or a different attitude or a different uh, perspective? God's called us to love each other. We pray for peace. That our country would experience great peace and we would see the hand of God move. But we fail to understand at times that if the country is going to be changed, it's going to be changed because people like you and me have been changed 
first on the inside. We change. And when I change, we all change together. Then the country changes. Then our church changes. Then we grow as a body. We don't pray for peace and harbor anger. That doesn't change a thing. We're called to love each other and to lay down our lives for each other. I wonder how many things I set aside for someone else. To love them. To embrace them. And to show them Christ. How free are we in our spirit if we can't love each other? We may be liberated for eternity, but there's a greater responsibility between each other. Imagine, if you would, imagine, if you would, the future of First Alliance if we took to heart really loving each other, really laying aside who we are for the sake of each other, that we would love each other unconditionally, that we would point each other to Christ, that we would lift each other up. And I know it happens. I know that there are, there are, are great relationships in this church. But I also know that it's too easy to forget and to neglect our freedom. It's too easy not to love. A, a lot of times we'll hear recently um, something along the lines of, you know, what, what's First Alliance going to be like when we get the new guy in the seat? What's First Alliance going to be like months from now or decades from now? when the new guy's in charge. It's going to look exactly like it does today because nothing changes if we don't change our hearts. When we change each other individually and then reach out to each other and love each other and care for each other, that's when change happens. That's when growth happens. A new person in a seat in an office behind a pulpit, he won't change anything. He'll walk into what's already existing. And God has asked us on a day of freedom to love each other, to accept each other, to be fond of each other. No qualifications, just love. This table. This table symbolizes a lot of things. And today it symbolizes freedom. Christ came and laid down His life so that we could be free in our heart and in our spirit, that we would be free from the, the penalty and the power of sin that, that rages against us every day that we would be liberated from that. Not only in the temporal, but for also eternal purposes. 
And so today as we gather together, we remember that freedom. We celebrate what Christ has done for us. You do not need to be a member of this church, but merely of God's family through faith in Christ to celebrate communion with us. You see, that's our response. And as the elements are passed, we ask that you take a few moments to align your heart with God's heart, asking Him to show you where you've fallen short, asking for forgiveness and and help in loving each other. Because we need help sometimes, don't we? Look at the guys we have to work with down front. Wonderful guys. That's our responsibility. And as our trio comes to sing, take these moments and allow God to draw you back to what Christ did for you and how much He loves you. That's our reminder.